Hi, this is Andy Peck, the host of The Leadership Show. We're into a season where we're delving into the archive of shows which have the top downloads from the podcast version of the show. And this week, we're replaying a show with Catherine Brown. It was on Leading a Small Group, first broadcast in December 2021. I trust you'll find it an enjoyable listen. The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Welcome to the show that aims to help you lead according to God's ways. They are the heartbeat of most local churches, many charities, and Christian activities in the world of business, government, and local government. Do you know what they are? Leading them is much tougher than it looks, and many would say it is easier to preach a message. Well, if you haven't worked it out, I'm referring to leading small groups. For most churches, and especially larger ones, small groups are the places where people truly get to know one another and experience the kind of fellowship that's assumed in the New Testament churches, which were probably a bit like a large small group meeting, as they were in homes of those in the congregation. And leading such groups is something of an art and skill not possessed by everyone. Indeed, when I was at Bible college, one lecturer who had written a book on the subject confided to me that he was a useless small group leader. He would much rather give a talk where he was in control. So it's high time we celebrated the role of the small group leader on the leadership show and looked at how small group leadership can be done well. And I'm delighted to be joined by Catherine Brown, a student worker with Fusion and contributor to Small Groups Big Mission, a step-by-step workbook to equip you to lead unmissable small groups where members build real community and grow. So welcome, Catherine. To the leadership um, so your journey to working with Fusion, first of all, and you may need to explain who Fusion are. Yeah, I was going to say, I should probably start with saying who Fusion are and then I can share a bit of my story. So sure. Fusion is a student mission movement. And what we want to do is help resource and equip local churches to do student work really, really well. And it just so happens that lots of us who work for Fusion are evangelists. Um, and so love sharing faith. And so churches as well will invite us to come and inspire their students and equip their students to share their faith as well. So there's sort of two sides of what we do, inspiring students to share their faith and encouraging them to get on campus and tell people about Jesus and also helping churches to do local church student work well. Um, and then my journey into working for Fusion is um, quite long, but I will abridge it for the purposes of this. Um, so I moved to a place called Sigcup in South East London to study acting at Rose Bruford College, which is a drama school in London. And I wasn't a Christian. I'm from a totally atheist family, an atheist background. And I was studying acting. And in my second year, I went out to Philadelphia in the States to dance out there. And I met Jesus radically. My life was absolutely transformed. I gave my life to Jesus and joined a tiny church plant that had actually started three weeks before I had um, given my life to Jesus. And they were praying for students at the university I was studying at out there, creative students, that they would come to know Jesus. So I was their first salvation. There were 10 of us in a living room. So they were super excited. So the first church I was a part of was basically a small group. Um, And then I got back to the UK, I got back to England and I finished my drama degree. And in my last year, I just 
was sharing faith all over the place and seeing my friends become Christians, seeing people starting up little groups where we'd read the Bible together. And I just realised I loved students and loved student work. I randomly bumped into someone who worked for Fusion and they said, oh, we've been praying for someone who loves drama schools. We'd love to see more churches reaching creative students. Would you be interested in doing um, working with us and doing that for us? And so for my first couple of years of working for Fusion, I was working for Fusion and my local church in Sidcup doing student work in Sidcup. And now my role is a lot wider where I'm just looking after universities and churches in the whole of London. And I feel called to all students, not just drama students. And yeah, I've just handed over my local student work to a girl who became a Christian in my student work. So it's constantly moving. Um, but that is sort of my journey into working for Fusion. Well, that's a great story, Catherine. Thank you. That's that's fabulous. Um, so there were lots of different kinds of small groups, as you appreciate. Um, uh, I'm not asking you to, to comment on all of them, but what do your small groups do within, within Fusion? Yeah, so like I said, Fusion is a student mission movement. So we're not looking to become a small group movement where we say, hey, here's this new model for doing small groups. This is what everyone should do. This is a very prescriptive way, like do an activity and then do this. We're not looking to do that. We see small groups as a means to an end. We want to fulfill the Great Commission. We want to go and make disciples. And we see small groups as a very crucial part of that. So our small groups look to reflect Acts 2, what we see, like you said, in the New Testament about sharing life together and inviting people in that don't know Jesus, sharing everything. And so our small groups are places where people can grow in their walk with Jesus, they can become more like Jesus and invite others to, um, yeah, get to know God for the first time. So I mentioned in my introduction, Catherine, that small group leading is deceptively difficult. However well you prepare, you might have a lot of questions if you're going to have a discussion. You know, there's a live gathering. People are contributing sometimes unexpected ideas uh, and the leader or the leaders have to be very adaptable. So. What, when you train people for that kind of environment, what are the kind of things you talk about? So when we train students or anyone to lead small groups, it's important that people know they're not leading a business meeting. So you don't go in with a totally structured agenda going, we have to cover all of these points. And this is the clear outcome that we want to get from this meeting you're planning a family gathering so it's going to be messy it's going to go all over the place and so when you're training leaders it's training them to be flexible and to say it's okay you as a leader don't need to know everything you don't need to have all of the answers you don't need to be in control what you're doing is you're facilitating a space where God can move, God can meet people and people can bring their ideas and their questions, what's on their heart, what they're going through. And so when I'm talking to students, I'm just trying to get them to discern. There will be times when actually going off on a tangent will be incredibly helpful to people's discipleship and to your group. And so it's knowing when to say yes to those sort of awkward moments and no to other times when you're like, no, actually, this isn't a helpful tangent to go on let's let's just veer back to the plan that I had um, and I think also why leading small groups can feel quite difficult and maybe deceptively difficult is because I've seen a lot of leaders that take it on themselves to 
do every part of the leading. And so they see their role as a leader, as the person who hosts, the person who cooks the meal if you eat together, the person who leads the discussion, who facilitates the prayer time, who then does all the following up with people midweek. And that's a lot to do. You know, then you're basically running like a little church just by yourself, which you you just can't do. And so it's reframing the idea of what leading looks like. Actually, being a good leader is being able to spot how you can delegate and raise people up and allow other people to lead. So in the small group I lead, we had small group last night and I cooked. It was in my house. Um, but I had someone else leading discussions. Someone else prayed for us. Someone, someone led communion. Um, and so we're just trying to get people to step out in new ways and, and all have a part to play. So it's not totally on one person. Um, yeah. Can you share something of your experience of when things have not gone so well, Catherine, just to kind of earth things, not to make you look foolish, but just to <laughs> earth things. And then we'll ask you some things that have gone unexpectedly well as well. So times when it's not gone so well first, perhaps. Yeah, well, I would definitely have lots of stories of where it's not gone well to share, because as you said before, small groups, yeah, can be challenging because it's there's people involved. So um, I have led many a student small group that has gone very badly, including one pancake day where I put a message out. We're doing a pancake social. I'll get everything. Just come along. We'll make pancakes together. Everyone said that they were coming. And then about half an hour before every single person dropped out. So it was just me surrounded by bags of flour, um, which was a very sad sight, but also made for a good lesson to people about, okay, how do you follow people up? What could I have done? Okay, actually, maybe I should have got people to bring stuff with them. So then they feel like if I don't come, there's going to be no flour, I better go. Um, Just little things like that. So, So that was one bad example. And then another thing, Um, I think was through my learning of you have to delegate was where I've seen small groups go stale and it becomes quite a prescriptive um, almost not insecure but sort of an insecure environment where you feel the leaders need to have control they're feeling they're a bit worried the whole time um, for people to take over uh, for people to take it off on a tangent and I've, I've definitely felt that as a leader when I first started leading small groups I have to be in control I have to try and manufacture where this discussion is going and shut down people when when it doesn't go that way and um, it, yeah it just resulted in a pretty stale group where people didn't feel loved um, or that they could bring everything that they're going through so um, so yeah, those would be two examples. Well, thank, thanks, Catherine. And I guess your image of family earlier perhaps gives us some a metaphor for how it could be, because typically in a family, you you know you you love one another, but you go off on tangents. You don't have a set agenda. So sometimes some parts of small groups are a bit like that. So things have gone well, Catherine, um, unexpectedly well, perhaps. Yeah, unexpectedly well. So there's been a few moments where. Um, I've had to remember my story of when I got saved, I joined this tiny church that obviously didn't have that many people and so they needed people to be raised as leaders very quickly. So I'd been a Christian for two weeks and they asked me to lead the discussion midweek. And I'd only known Jesus for two weeks and I had absolutely no faith background. So I knew nothing, but they said, you think you'll be great at this. Just lead a little part of it, just five minutes and then ask a question at the end. Um, and then, yeah, we'll give you a bit of feedback afterwards. And so 
I did it. They gave me helpful feedback. I found it really encouraging, really helpful. So I've always tried to do that in leading. If there's a new Christian or someone who's come back to faith or a person who's engaging with small groups for the first time, I'll try and think, okay, could they be someone who could lead in some capacity? So um, a story of a girl called Hannah. So Hannah was raised in church, walked away when she got to uni. But then in her second year, she got invited to our carol service uh, by a friend because all of her friends were going, which is incredible that they were all just going. And she thought, I'll come along. Um, and on the way up, she was saying to them, I know how church works. They're going to probably give you a beer. They're going to tell you all about Jesus and convince you to become a Christian. So don't have any of it. I'm just warning you now. That's what they're going to do. Um, but she walked into the church building and she says she was just hit by the presence of God. And she just knew in that moment that Jesus was real. So she came back to faith. She joined a student small group and straight away, I just went, Hannah, I want you to lead next week. I just want you to lead the discussion. I think you'll be great. And she was really nervous. She was like, I don't know anything. People in the group know way more than me. I said, maybe they do know more than you about the Bible. But actually, you know loads about people and you're super good with people. So go for it. Why don't, why don't you lead? And, and she did a great job. Um, and she's actually just taken over my student worker role in, in the local church. So that went unexpectedly well, where she just, yeah, was super good at leading and um, grew loads through through leading. Oh, that's, that's terrific, Catherine. Thank you. And um, as you, you've hinted already at things you've been learning along the way, you're probably a better small group leader now than when you first jumped upon, as it were, when you've been a Christian for two weeks. What would, the, what would be the things you say, yeah, I, I, if I was going to get someone to, to be a small group leader now, these are the things I'd, I'd make sure they knew beforehand? There would be loads of things and this answer could be like an hour long and I could take okay. you through all of our training sure. and say that. But I think the one thing that I would, um, I think the one thing that's really crucial for leaders to know, separate to other things that I've already said, would be around evangelism. Um, I think when I first started leading, I had this idea of it will just happen as people grow as disciples of Jesus. They will just share their faith. Um, they'll catch something and um they'll just want to do it and it will we just need to form as a group first and we need to make sure we all know each other and it's quite a nice safe community environment before we start talking about mission as a community and i've learned actually to set a culture of evangelism and mission you really need to start talking about it on day one and that doesn't mean you have to invite non-christians into your group it might not be the right context for that but it's from day one saying who are we praying for that doesn't know jesus who, who is it that you are hanging out with? Can I get to know them as well? Or not even, you don't even need to introduce me to them, but how can we pray for them together? And how can we celebrate when that goes wrong or, or, or right? So something we've been trying with our small group now is we meet three times a week, as uh, three times a week, three times a month um, as a small group where we have food together, do communion, pray, read the Bible, pray for non Christians and um, the last week of the month is our out week so that week we're intentionally instead of meeting as a community meeting up with our non-Christian friends neighbours strangers whatever it is and the ideal would be that is happening every week of our lives and it's just happening naturally but what I've learned is that you can't assume that that's happening so actually setting a week where you're saying we're doing this there'll be accountability because we're going to talk about it next week how it went learn from each other pray for each other and um, that's really helped us be a small group that's on mission and actually doing it. Um, 
So yeah, that is what I would say to a small group leader. I'd say you need to set a culture of evangelism from day one. Um, Well, that's brilliant, Catherine, because you'll be aware that um, probably many local churches have got a bit stuck in the rut of our small group looks at a Bible passage, sometimes, you know, reflects upon different elements of that. It becomes a bit of a game of who knows the Bible best. And actually, you know, valuable though that can be, mission is a long way away from, from those kind of groups. Um, have you found a difference between local church or and student mission teams, or have you been in a church which actually has that culture as well? Yeah, so with all of the work that Fusion does, we're totally local church based, which is wonderful because we love the local church. We believe in the local church. We believe that the local church is God's only plan. Um, so it's like, got to go for it in the local church. Let's let's do it. And so um yeah, we've seen students that are part of local churches who are running local church small groups that are fantastic and on mission. And I've seen that in non-student groups as well. And I think a lot of churches are thinking about it coming out of the pandemic. They're seeing, okay, the big gathered isn't maybe actually it. Maybe it is the small gatherings where people are in community with each other. They're really known and they can learn more about the Bible and then invite people into that. Because I think that's what people are longing for. They, I think, especially in reaching young people, churches have thought, we need to sort of replicate what is attractive in culture and we need to have the smoke machines and the lights and the big gatherings and the cool music and all of that. But young people, and I think just any age, they're not looking for what culture has to offer because we can't even offer as good of that as what culture can offer. They've got loads of money, they've got loads of equipment, whatever, whatever. That's not what people are looking for in church. They're looking to be known, they're looking to know God, and they're looking to know that they were created on purpose for a purpose. And you're not going to do that in a big gathering. You're going to do that in a small group um, where people can contribute something and share what they're going through. Um, So, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen fantastic small groups in loads of local churches across the UK. And it seems as if you've been in groups that have set the culture of having newcomers regularly Mm. coming. Again, that can be an issue because groups actually say, you know, our group is very confidential. We know one another and newcomers find it very difficult to be part of this quote family because they're, they're very much outsiders. And you think, well, if you set a culture of invitation, then there's always going to be new people or often new people coming. Yeah. And multiplication and splitting groups up is always painful. So we've definitely had that, um, as an issue so we had an evening service where we had various small groups and then one term we mixed them all up and loads of people were like we don't want to do this this is horrible like you've ripped me away from my friends and all of this um which in some ways yes we did it too quickly and it, but it's also taking people on a journey and envisioning them with the why of why you're doing that so if people are caught up in a vision of when we change these groups groups around it means that people on the fringe can actually enter into relationship we don't want to create cliques we want to create vulnerable um, relationships where people really know each other and have journeyed with each other for a while and so that they feel like they can share and they can really be themselves Um, but also we do want to create like you said a culture where new people can slot right in and we can invite our friends that are exploring faith um, 
to yeah join in. And I think in some ways this is easier with students because there's such a rapid turnover um, with like when they're around, they're only around for three years. Um, and so you can sort of change it year in, year out. But I think it does apply to, um, I don't know, proper adults as well. Um, like I'm seeing with my group now, it's not a student group that I lead. Um, and we think about, OK, we're going to split next term. Um, what does that look like? Who could lead? You guys could lead. And just having those conversations with people as you go so that they're ready for it. And it's not a shock um, when you say we're splitting and they don't feel like they've been taken on the journey. It's everyone's in that conversation and is deciding that together. Catherine, you've mentioned building small groups for community. Any sort of tips about that? Or is it actually, frankly, depends on the personality of those leading. You wouldn't necessarily give people uh, tips on how to make a friend. So it's kind of, you know, what would you say about all that? Yeah, well, I think yes to what you say. You can't, you know, you, it does depend on the personality of the person. You can't really give people tips on making friends. although. I've definitely found myself in situations where I, I have given people tips on how to make friends. And um, so for some people, it's not innate. It's going back to, OK, you're not again, it's not a business meeting. You're not this leader who has to know everything to build community. You as a leader have to go first in every situation. You have to be the first one to share your vulnerabilities where you don't know things, your sin um, what you need prayer for, what's going on in your life, how you're finding leading. Um, be the first one to go back. You have to be the first one to ask really good questions and listen, hear the answers and remember text in the week. Hey, you know, when you shared this, how's it going? Or um, making sure that you know everyone's birthday in your community so that you can celebrate them. Just simple things like that. And then um, something that I found really helpful for building community as well is creating um, moments of fun and adventure, which a lot of people will hear, hear and think, okay, those ideas are just for students. Like, for example, one year I laid bin bags all over my uh, living room floor and then got two massive boxes of water with loads of apples in it and did relay apple bobbing and got students, you know, like chucking apples all around the living room. Someone might say, that's only going to work with students. You can't do that with, with adults. But I think in a lot of adults, there is a, a real want for fun and for adventure. And they look back on maybe those years in youth group and think, oh, some of that was quite fun. And, you know, I'm just I sit in like a Bible lecture type group every week and fun and adventure and things that people haven't done before actually create memories, which is is the best way to build community. I have students. This was a few years ago. I did that with the students and there's their third years now that are like oh when we were in first year we did this or oh, maybe we can do that with the first years now that was so fun and um you know it, it just it just creates community so I, I would encourage leaders to listen well to really get to know their group to to pray that God would help them love the people in their group and to think of creative ways that they can inject fun and adventure and informal fun times with their community. Catherine you mentioned being dropped in at the deep end yourself yeah. And you've done that to others a little bit. Uh, but other, other things you would say about developing new leaders? Yes, I would say don't drop people in the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I've done that. And for some people, it does work. And I think there are specific types of people that you can see. Actually, they're going to thrive if I just put them on the spot. Um, they seem to love to talk or they're very confident. Let me just put them in and give them feedback afterwards. But with most people, that isn't the case. Um, and so... 
in our book that you referenced um, earlier, Small Group Big Mission, we've got this Leadership Square, which is a um, well-known leadership development tool. It's not something we as Fusion have created. And it's all about taking people around the square. So I do, you watch, so I'm going to do it. You're going to watch me do it. Um, And then you do. Um, No, I do. You help. So I'm going to do it, but you've got a little part to help. I'm just going to give you something small to do. And then you do it and I'll help you. So tell me what part you want help with. I'll help you along the way. And then you do it by yourself and I will give you feedback afterwards. And so that's a really gentle and helpful way to train people up. And it's not just for leading discussions or um, like the spiritual part of the group. So um, we eat as a small group every week. And one of the ladies in my group is so good at cooking for like eight to 10 people. She's very gifted at that. Hospitality is her thing. She's great at setting a the correct environment and feeding people well, all of that. And one of the other girls in my group is a recent graduate. She's never cooked for a big group of people. She's like, I'm just trying to figure out how to be an adult. I don't know what to do. And so um, this lady got this recent graduate round and said, look, I'm going to take you through the whole process. You're going to watch me, how I prep the night before for cooking for people, how I lay the table the day before so it's not stressful when I get home from work. And really practically taking her through that square of, okay, next time I'm going to come around to your house and watch you do it. And then I'm going to give you tips on what you could have done better or what would have made the process easier. So it's not just for the spiritual stuff, but all types of um, leadership and groups. Just, yeah. Catherine, I'd, I'd love to be part of one of your groups. So uh, <laughs> sign me up. Um, but uh, how can we discover more of what Fusion do and how can people get in touch with this uh, uh, workbook that we mentioned? Yeah, so we've got a website, so fusionmovement.org, and then you can look all over our website. We've got loads of different resources to help people share faith, um, but you can also find our book, Small Groups, Big Mission, on our resources page, and it's £5, and it's a journal that you can go through, so it's really helpful for leaders. It's not just something you sit down and read, but it's got questions in that you write and journal through, and we found that really helpful for people because it makes them process, how do I lead? why do I need in this way? And just asks questions. Um, so you can find that all on our website. Well, it's been terrific to chat with you, Catherine. We've covered so much ground in a short time. So appreciate your succinct and enthusiasm for this uh, particular area of, of God's work. And uh, excited to hear more about how your groups are going to develop in the future. So thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. It's been great. Was my conversation with Catherine Brown. She is the contributor to Small Groups Big Mission, a step by step workbook to equip you to lead unmissable small groups where members build real community and grow. I was impressed by her sense of enthusiasm that small groups are not just a, a place to build our Bible knowledge, but are actually places where we can welcome newcomers into community who can meet uh, Jesus for themselves and uh, be established in their faith. So I hope that's an inspiration for you. The small group leadership of many local churches and particularly large local churches is key. And in many ways, the uh, leaders of those groups are key uh, parts of the local church as they provide pastoral care and oversight and concern and administration to enable churches to function as they do. Look forward to welcoming you to the Leadership Show again next week. In the meantime, you might want to go to uh, the website, premier.org.uk, and find out 
uh, archived recordings of the leadership show and there's also many on the podcast platforms where people listen to the leadership show as well so they can listen whenever they like wherever they like uh, day or night so I look forward to your company again next sunday at four o'clock bye for now the leadership show with andy peck email andy.peck at premier.org.uk